Revelation chapter 2, the title of this message this morning is Thy First Love. And the, the song that Chris sang it was very fitting um, to what we're looking at. John read this passage, John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. He read down through verse 7. And I'll read it and we'll begin. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear with them that are evil, and thou hast, how hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Father, I believe that this message is for us. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless us with a tremendous and wonderful deliverance from all pretense, from all works that are not from a position of rest, that we would indeed return each and every one of us and us as a church to our first love. I thank you. I thank you for what this means. And I ask you to help, help us all to see it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is a very interesting um, revelation that the Lord Jesus is giving. The church at Ephesus, there are, there are seven churches here that God speaks to. And this one is one of the good ones. This is one of those that is doing very well. And yet there's the um, danger of the candlestick being removed, which simply means you'll no longer be a light where you are. You'll not be a light where you are anymore. But I want you to look at what they were doing. Because when you look at what they were doing, you would say, well, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? But then when you look at what they're not doing, you'll understand why what they were doing doesn't have the light that it should have anymore. <clears throat> I know thy works. I want you to just kind of take mental notes. You can take notes if you take notes. I know thy works. Jesus knows they're working. I know your works. And I know thy labor, which means that they're working hard. And thy patience, which means they're working long. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil, which means they're working right. And thou hast tried them which say they're apostles and are not, and found them to be liars, which means they're working truly, doctrinally sound. It's pretty good. We'd be happy if half the churches in America could meet this criteria. We'd be, work, we'd be happy if 10% of the churches in America 
could meet this criteria. Unfortunately, we're happy if our church meets this criteria and has born, right? Has born. We take care of each other and others. You know, this letter that I read, thank you for helping. You know, cards all the time, letters all the time. Thank you for helping. Thank you for taking up an offering. Thank you for caring for me. It's wonderful. And, 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 and praise God. And I mean, honestly, praise God that we have a heart to do these things. You've borne and you have patience, persistence. And for my name's sake has labored and has not become faint, have not um, got weak in it, not slowed down. We have an increase. We've started two new ministries recently. And, and, and God just opened the door for us to do them, and we did. It's all wonderful. I mean, pretty much every day of the week, I believe it might be truly said, every day of the week and many days, multiple places at the same time, God has Tidewater Baptist ministering here and in the community. Wonderful. It's wonderful. It, I mean, it, and it really is wonderful. Nevertheless, there's... Two lines. I have lines here every so often in different places, but I have two lines here. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Now, here's the difficulty with this. If another church were to say to us, I see all that you're doing, and it's great, but I would like to correct you, I wouldn't care. I'd say, you guys do what you think the Lord would have you to do. We'll do what we think the Lord would have us to do. And we can even do some of it together. Amen? Yes? If one of you came to me and said, uh, Pastor, I'm not sure that we're doing this the way God would have us to do. Unless you backed it up with something in the scriptures, I would say, well, um, I don't have a sense of that. And the deacons don't have a sense of that. And we're really blessed with what God is doing here. And we are really blessed with what God is doing here. But here's what it says. I have somewhat against thee. God does. That's what it says. Now, of course, this is to the church at Ephesus. You say, I don't know that we are the church at Ephesus. Well, you pick another church in the Old Testament, in the the book of Revelation you'd like to be, and uh, I'm going to pick the book of the church of Ephesus. I really believe this is true of us. I know it's true of me to a degree. You know, when Chris, when Chris sang the song about it was a shame to think of yesterday, how many of you remember you may not. You, some of you may never had the kind of life that some of us did. But how many of you can remember waking up and thinking to yourself, oh, man, I did some things I shouldn't have done last night. I, did, I went some places I shouldn't have gone. I did some things. Amen? Anybody have that testimony? But one day, I heard about a Savior. Amen? Amen? One day, I heard of a place called Calvary. Amen? 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 It changed everything. It changed everything. And I got to be honest with you, when I got saved, when I got, when I got saved, as soon as I got saved, now I had the advantage, if you will, of being saved in the middle of the Mediterranean. I was on an aircraft carrier. And there, I didn't have a, now there's the chaplains on an aircraft carrier. Now, and there are some good chaplains. Don't get me wrong. There's some good chaplains in the military. There are some godly men but there weren't any on the Kennedy where I was. And so the chaplains, if you went to, I went, I went to a couple of the services, but it was just like where I grew up in Vermont, where there's a social gospel. And if you're doing good, you're doing good. And if you're doing better than you were last week, you're probably going to get to heaven. But that's not the gospel. 
That's not the gospel. And so I just couldn't go there. But there were some godly men who met for Bible studies, just the small groups. And I met with one of those small groups. In fact, I met with a group of the, the same group of people that had the guy in it that pointed me to the Lord Jesus Christ to begin with. And it was wonderful. And I was saved as a result of that. And I was so wonderfully changed, so wonderfully happy that I could not shut up. I could not stop talking about how great Jesus was. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's a, it's a remarkable thing because when people saw me in the lab after that, you either wanted to talk to me or you wanted to turn around and walk the other way because I was not neutral. I was not mean-spirited. I, I, couldn't have, I couldn't have said more words with more tears probably you know, than ever in my life. Simply wanted to tell them, look, you don't have to. I know what your life is like because you and I used to hang out together. And I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. Amen? And I saw many people saved. I think I've given this testimony. So many people were saved that a deacon from Providence who was on the Kennedy came to see me to make sure that I wasn't starting a cult. I had no idea what Romans Road was. I had no idea what being a soul winner was. And I would say none of those things. I simply couldn't stop talking about how great Jesus was. I was in love with him, and I was grateful for my salvation. And, I, and I, it was simple. It was joyful, joyful, joyful. Wonderful. Amen? And then I got back to the United States, and I joined a church, and I began to grow, and the warfare becomes regular. And there's a great deal of what about this and what about that and what about this doctrine and what about that doctrine and what about all of these things and are you serving enough and is he serving enough and is she serving enough and can they do this and can they do that? And it seems like as a pastor you spend so much time with, with questions about all of these different things and here's what, here's what happens. We leave our first love. We leave our first love. And it's supposed to be simple. There are, three, there are three things here, three verbs. Verse five, you might want to circle them. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Wow, what a terrible thing to be said. From whence thou art fallen. And repent, that's the second one. Remember, repent. And if I was a good preacher, I'd have another R so it would alliterate. But the passage doesn't alliterate, so we won't. And do. Remember, repent, and do. And you might want to circle all of this. Do the first works. Now, if you, if you, if you circle do the first works and then go up to verse 2, I know thy works. And what you'd realize is he knows your works. And they're good works, but they're not the first works. They're not the works of love. Or maybe they are. I hope they are. You know what's interesting? Remember a little while ago, uh, I was preaching a couple weeks ago, maybe, maybe, a, maybe a month ago. I have no sense of time anymore when something happens, really. Oh, yeah, just a couple days ago this happened. Really, that was three months ago, Pastor. Really. Seemed like a couple days ago to me. And I made reference to being thankful for being a new creature. And remember, there was a 16-year-old girl sitting up here in the front row who had been saved just a few weeks earlier, and her hand shot up. And everybody else slowly raised their hand. But her hand shot up. Oh, that's me. That's me. I'm saved. My sins are forgiven. And I sure am glad. Amen? 
And we're like, oh yeah, that's true for me. And it's kind of nice. But it's not all of our life. It's not our joy. Amen? Now it's interesting, if you go back and look at verse four, it says, thou hast left thy first love. Thou hast left thy first love. Now this is an interesting phrase. If you look, and, and, and not that you care to, but if you look at the Greek behind it, you can translate this or understand this to be you have left your first love as if the one that you love, you have left. Or you can translate it in your mind, you have left the love that you had at the first. In other words, the loving works that you had at the beginning. And since it says um, here, do the first works, you have some idea or some sense that perhaps it's talking about doing the loving works that you did when you were a baby Christian, when it was all wonderful and new. But I, and I agree with that. But the translation, the, 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 the translators actually had the wisdom to translate it, thou hast left by first love. And see, this is what the Lord has been speaking to me about, to all of us, I think, well, many of us at any rate. It is far simpler to have the wisdom of God if you have the presence of God in your life, the actual presence of God. Let me, let me show you this. Let me, just, let me, let me give you a, a, a picture that will help you with this, okay? Kenny, would you stand up? Kenny Oldacre, okay? All right, so let's, let's just turn here. You come with me, and we'll walk together. Just keep walking, okay? And I ask you about a hymn. Kenny, do you know who uh, the author of this hymn is? And you say whatever you'd say, right? And so now I know, turn around because we're hitting at the door. And so now I know what Kenny knows about this, right? So we're just walking together and we're just talking. We're just walking together and we're just talking. Now sit down if you would. But now I'm walking without him. And I want to ask him a question. And I can what? Text him, call him, email him, right? Do you understand? What's that? Not email, not Kenny. That's right, you can't email Kenny. We're going to fix that, amen? You can't email Kenny and you can't call Don Mendonza, okay? So, uh, all right. We just need to walk with God. When, when, listen, let me say this honestly. When I was a baby Christian, I didn't want anything other than to walk with God. The doctrines didn't mean anything to me. Now, what's interesting is, in the context of the passage, they are commended for their doctrine. They're commended for it. Walking in sound doctrine. They're commended for not... For not having certain error in their church and for finding those who are false. They're commended for that. All of that is good and all of that should be a part of our church. It all should be. But what should be the first thing in your life every day? God, I need to walk with you. Anybody want to say amen? amen. God, I, God, more importantly, I need you to walk with me. I need you to lead me. Amen. Now here's what happens. You get up and say, Lord, I want to walk with you. And you say, come on, Lord, we're going to go here. And he says, but we're not. I'm going to go over here. You say, okay, Lord, you have a good day because I'm going over here. That's our problem right there. It's our problem. We want to walk with God as long as God is willing to go where we want to go. But we're not willing to walk with God if God wants to take us someplace that we don't want to go. Lord, I'll meet you back here. You know, when we, uh, <laughs> when we uh, were recently someplace, I forget where. I was going to say King's Dominion. It might have been King's Dominion. I think it was King's Dominion. And... Um, and we were there with our, just before, just before Chris and Jewel went to uh, China and Andrew went to college. So we were all there together and we were getting in there. And there's a lot of, there's a whole bunch of you. It's hard to, you know, whether you're going to stay together or whatever. And we said, okay, here's what happens. If we get separated, if somebody gets on, if we get separated, we'll meet at, what is it? The, the Eiffel Tower. Is that right? 
you know, the big tower in the center, which that would be King's Dominion, I guess. We'll meet here at one o'clock. So we have a place to meet. And see, that's what we do with God. If we get separated, I'll meet you in my prayer time later on today. Amen? Yes or no? I got to go do this. And you're obviously not going to go do that. So I'll meet you in my prayer time a little bit later, Lord. And he would say, how about you just keep your first love and just walk with me? How about we just walk together? Amen? So I got to go to work. He'll go to work with you. Amen? Yes? He'll go to work with you. There's some places he won't go with you. There's some things that you do he won't watch with you. There are some places that you walk into that he doesn't want to go into. There's some, that is true in some cases. But he will, he will go to work with you. He will go to help your family members. He will. He wants to. He wants to. In fact, he wants you to go with him. Amen? He wants to be the one working in your heart, leading you. Now, I bring you to this passage. I simply want you to recognize all of the good things. Verse 2 is full of them. Verse 3 is full of them. Verse 6, and right in the center of it, 2, 3, and then in 6, it has the same thing. These are good things. These are all good things that you're doing. But right in the center of it, right in the center of it, in verse 4, you've left your first love. Now, I don't know for whom that is true here. But let me say this. Many of you, many, many, many of you are just beginning to gain the joy that you want had. And now, by the way, what is the source of this happening in your life? It's, it, it's, it's the Tuesday night time of prayer. Amen? I mean, we met Tuesday. And by the way, come, to, if you can come Tuesday night, come to, I won't even be here. But I'm not necessary. God is necessary. Amen? We pray Tuesday night. I didn't pray till last. And God showed up long before I ever got a chance to pray. Amen? We prayed for over two hours. And I got to be honest with you, when I, I literally was surprised when I looked at the clock and realized how much time had gone by because it went by like that. Just like that, it was over. And what was remarkable is, I don't know how many people were here, we had the first five rows, and we had just moved everybody up front, and most of the five rows on both sides were full. And so if you add that many people, that's about 75 people roughly that would be here. It's a lot of people that, so many so that we couldn't pray in the classroom like we normally do. And I'm glad, I hope this Tuesday night, they can't pray, you guys can't pray in, the, pray in that classroom either. That you have to come in here and that you have to meet together. And, and from the time it began, back in that corner, Justin wasn't the one sitting there, but back, when it began back in that corner to the time it ended up in this corner, it was tremendous. It was wonderful. There was great unity in the prayer. There was great desire for the glory of God in the prayer. There was great recognition that we are not sufficient. But oh, how wonderful it is to meet with you together. Amen? Amen? Listen, I was thinking about this. We don't get to get together very often. It's Sunday morning, and it's interesting. We'll have a service tonight. We'll have a service tonight at 6 o'clock. And many of you won't be here. I don't know why, and, and, and if that offends you, then I'm, I'm sorry. But we will meet again tonight, and we want God's power in our life again tonight. We don't want to meet. I, I, it isn't, well, I'm a little religious, or I'm a lot religious. It's, no, I need God, and I need God, and I need God. Amen? Amen? I have no interest in having extra services. I simply have a desire that we would gather together, open the Word of God, and meet with the God of the Word together. Amen? 
I'm going to turn you to a passage that, that we, I want you to see it in the context of leaving your first love. I want you to go to um, uh, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Now, for some of you, you've heard this, you've heard me say this. Some of you never have. But I want you to see what the Word of God says about this. 1 Timothy. Chapter 1. In verse, starting in verse 3. Now I want you to notice what it says in, in, this, in this passage. This is such a simple truth. As I besought thee, Paul, who is an apostle by the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ, is telling Timothy, I besought thee to, to abide still at where, by the way? At Ephesus. When I went unto Macedonia, that thou might charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now this, by the way, appears to have been profitable because they're not teaching false doctrine in the book of Revelation. When he talks to the church at Ephesus, they are guarding against false doctrine. But notice this, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. But notice verse five. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned. And again, I know some of you heard me say this a lot of times, but I don't mind repeating it over and over and over again. The word end, the word end is the Greek word telos, and it means the goal, the point, the whole, listen, Paul, please hear me. The whole point of us assembling together every time we assemble together is that God would bring us to the place of love. Amen? Love There are three things about that love that make you understand that it's not wishy-washy, that it's not plastic, and that it's not phony, right? What are the three things? It says love out of a pure heart, which speaks to what? Your motives. Love out of a selfish heart won't work. Love out of a pure heart. Love out of a pure heart means it's for your sake, not for my sake. In other words, I'm not here for me. And you shouldn't be here for you. Other than the fact that you have the same need that I have. You say, I have a need. I have a need. I need to have a need. Yes, I do. You do have a need. But you should start growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus so that when you come, you come to be a blessing to others. That God, when you say, but I'm not a blessing. No, but God can use the vessel and make the vessel a blessing. Amen? Out of a pure heart. The second one is out of a good, has to do with your mind knowing that you're not doing it wrong. Amen? A good conscience. I know that what we're doing is what God would have us to do. Isn't that wonderful? It's not selfish, and it's not going to be found fault with by God because my conscience doesn't bother me. God says, no, this is what I want. And then finally, faith unfeigned or unfeigned faith, which means, listen to me, listen, that we're really here trusting God. And this is what's the problem. This is the problem in my life. That we're really here, not, not that we're going through the motions, not that I'm trying to communicate to you and motivate you and cause you to do something, but that I'm trusting that God will do it. And I am beginning to really trust that God will do it. God will do it. The word of God is quick and powerful. The word of God will do it. The God of the word will do it. Amen? I can come here and give myself to you and not have to manipulate you so my conscience won't bother you and I don't have to worry about whether it will be accomplished because God will do it, amen? And that's the goal, the end of the commandment, the whole idea of all the structure of everything that we have that we try to do everything decently and in order and do it correctly. But the point is love. 
Amen? Sound doctrine, real sound doctrine, is necessary for there to be real love. But real love is necessary for it to be real sound doctrine. They must go together. They must go together. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Anybody have any idea what we might find in 1 Corinthians 13? Yeah, you say, yeah, that we read that at my wedding. <laughs> I read this at my sister's wedding. I was a baby Christian when they asked me to read it. It might not have been my sister's wedding. It was somebody's wedding, somebody in my family. Now it was going to bother me until I remember who it was. I was a baby Christian. Whose was it? Do you remember who it was? It was my sister. Okay, thank you. Anyway, I say that because I remember thinking this is not a wedding passage. I mean, there's great things here to be seen at a wedding, but that's not the point of the passage. Let's go to, let's start at the very beginning. Now, I want you to notice, I want you to think about what Jesus is saying they are doing right, but how, because of how they're doing it, it doesn't matter. Listen to this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So think about this. Look at me, look up here. Great preaching that has no love is not profitable. You understand that? It just makes the guy doing it or the woman doing it, hopefully it's a guy, just makes them look good. That's it. That's what it does. Great preaching that doesn't have love is done out of pride. Amen? I don't have love. In other words, if, if the preaching and teaching doesn't ha- truly have your interest in mind, that which will edify you and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, then it's being done through strife and vainglory. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and and though I have all faith so I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. We don't see much great faith in the age in which we live. But it's amazing to me that God says you can have this great power in your life and still it not mean anything. Verse 3 says this, and this is a fascinating thing because often charity is called taking care of other people, simply giving money to help people who don't have anything. But, th- but notice what it says in verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, so you can do those things without love, it profiteth me nothing. Now, here's the description. And and again, you know, this is is not meant to be a rebuke. It is meant to be an awakening. Listen, I got to be honest with you. This is what's necessary to take you back to your first love. When you realize, you know what, this is not what my life is like. And I remember as a baby Christian, it was hard for me to do anything other than care. It was hard to me to, it was hard to even be unkind because I was so, I was so enamored with how great Jesus was. He was so wonderful to me. It was easy for me to be wonderful to other people. Amen. But that's supposed to be every day of the rest of your life. It is supposed to be. And God has the power to make it so. Amen. So let's see what it says. We know it. Charity suffers long. It's kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, 
rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. That's a remark. That's that's wonderful, isn't it? Wonderful. Let me tell you this. Let me let me ask you this question. If you have this kind of love in your life, where would you fail? Where would you fail? Well, you can't, because the next it says cherry never what. And charity never fails. Charity never fails. You say, I fail all the time. That's because your life, your life is not full of the love that God wants it to be. I will fail all the rest of my life. Amen? In me that is in my flesh there dwelleth. I will fail all the rest of my life. But you're not meant to see me anyway. Amen? Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. You're meant to see Christ living in me. Well, is Christ full of love? Yes or no? And I'm talking about biblical love. I'm not talking about wishy-washy love. I'm not talking about you do whatever you want, it'll be just fine. That's not love. You know what I'm saying? Love is holy, pure, clean. It really, really, truly is. And Christ has that kind of wonderful, caring love. Amen? Do, do you have Christ in you? Yes or no? Do you? Are you a new creature? Then the, if I were you, and I am, then I would do what God is working in my heart to do, and that is just continue to cry out, Lord, you fill me. Your presence, your presence, your actual presence, fill me with your presence. Not with philosophy, not with theory, not with good ideas about you. You fill me, you fill me. So that you, that rivers of living water that he talks about, yes? That spring that overflows, that you would flow out of me. You fill me so that you would flow out of me. Now, some of you are here, listen to me. Some of you are here and you're thinking, that's all I've ever wanted. That's all I've ever wanted. And I've been really working towards that for years now. Good, good. Now ask him to do it. Stop working towards it. And go to him instead. Amen? Go to him instead. Say, I need this, Lord. I really need this. And don't settle for anything less. You know, when I, was a, when I was asking to be saved, when, I, when I, didn't, I didn't have any idea what I was asking about, by the way. When I first approached the person that I approached, his name was Bob, Bob Bornfleth. When I first approached him, and this is, this is exactly how I, when we got talking about salvation, this is what I said to him. I said, how can I have what you have? And this was his answer. If you want what I have, then you must have it because God wants you to have it. Amen. He said, in fact, I will be so bold as to say this. If you don't get it, it's your fault. That's a good way to win somebody to Christ, isn't it? If you don't get it, it's your fault. And you know what? He's right. Because God wants you to have it. He wants you to have salvation, but he wants you to have his presence the rest of your life. And if we don't have it, it's because we've left our first love. Our first love will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Amen? You can have the fullness that God wants you to. It is God's intention. Now, I'm going to go to some place that we've gone a lot recently, but it really takes us there because it really gives an evidence that these things are true in our life. And I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5 again. And I'm going to end there. Galatians chapter 5. I want to give you a hunger. I want to give you an appetite. I want to give you a longing for these things and these things only in your life. You know, um, um, earlier today, Daryl Moore and I were talking. 
And he was talking about how God is really blessing and has continued to bless the bus ministry. And I said, that's because we actually care about those kids. Because we care about them. And there's a, there's a, there's a, right now, there's a short bus, a short bus um, that can, we can get into the trailer parks. Amen? So we can use it. We couldn't use the big red bus, but we can use this one. It's basically a big bus, small. Okay? There's room for 20 people in it, I believe. Looks like we can get it for $3,700. Um, Gary Kimmy went by and looked at it for us yesterday, crawled around underneath it, looked at it everywhere. I don't know where to look. Said any, everything that's not supposed to leak isn't leaking. Everything that's supposed to be in place is in place. You know, it looks really good, Pastor. It looks very sound. Not a spot of rust anywhere on it. It looks really good. Amen. Now he couldn't start it because it wasn't open. He couldn't start the engine. But and it's a, but it looks like we'll be able to get this and be able to make use of it. Amen. Amen. Now I'm begging um, Brother Hurd, who coaches the soccer team. He's the, he's the he's coaches the soccer team with Sean. I saw this van, Dora got out of this van last week. I said, Dora, whose van is that? She said, oh, it belongs to Brother Hurd. I said, well, can I beg him for it? Amen. I want one more, another van to pick up more children with. We, 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 have, we need the extra vehicles to pick up these children. Amen. Amen. But listen, picking them up is just the good things in verses two and three. Right? The love is in verse four. Yes. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you've left your first love. We can't help these children if there's no love. You understand that? We can't help the people at the brig if there's no love. We can't help the people at the jail if there's no love. We can't help the people in the nursing homes, four nursing homes, praise God. We can't help any of them if there's no love. We can't help the children through the CEF ministry if there's no love. We cannot help these people if there's no love. Amen? Yes or no? Now, listen to me. Listen to me. How many of you are aware this is the only thing I need? This is all I need. Listen, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Now, notice how it ends. Against such, there is no law. There's no law. Isn't that amazing? How much can I love someone? As much as you want. There's no law about that. How much joy can I have? As much as you want. There's no law against that. How much meekness can I have? All you want. There's no law against that. Can my life be full of long-suffering and peace? Yep. There's no law against that. Isn't that wonderful? Yes? No? So, so that's what we need to cry out for. Amen? And see, this is just New Testament Christianity. The problem is we don't live in an age where New Testament Christianity is what Christianity is living like. Amen? But it is what God intends. It is what the early churches looked like. This is what they looked like. Now, they weren't perfect in it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be writing to them about what they don't have or what they need to have. But God is still saying to us the same thing. I want to fill you with these things. And you say, I want to be filled with those things. And the marvelous thing about this is in the book of Revelation, he's not talking, he doesn't say, the book, the, the, listen, when he says, speak to, he doesn't say, speak to Steve. He says, speak to the angel of Ephesus. Yes? Yes? Because it's not for Steve. It's for the church. Now, see a part of it? He is. So is it for Steve? It is. But it's for all of us. It's not for a select few in the church. Amen? Well, we, our deacons, we need our deacons to have this. We need our Sunday school teachers. We all need to have this. We all need to have this. This is all that we need to have. Amen? If, if you, if, I'll be honest with you. If you were pursuing the love of God filling your life, you would never gossip again. 
You would never exaggerate again. You would never lie again. You would never defraud again. You just couldn't do it. Amen? You just couldn't do it. You just couldn't do it. You could not live like that ever again. And you would have the joy and the peace and the faith and the long-suffering and the patience and the temperance. Oh, how many of us need temperance? Amen? All of those things, they're not ours, but they are his that lives within us. And he says, I will produce these things in your life. Walk with me. Come back. 